Good evening. That was a blessing, wasn't it? That uh, lead me to Calvary wasn't directed to a preacher. That lead me to Calvary wasn't directed to some uh, um, zealous religious man without knowledge. (laughs) That's uh, a heart cry to God. Lead us to Calvary. And I pray tonight that he would enable all of us in this building, all of us in this auditorium, that he would lead us to Calvary and behold afresh his sin-cleansing blood and that, that, that perfect life he lived on our behalf, beloved, his, his body. And that, that, that body that was prepared in the womb of the virgin, he lived and performed that which we cannot on our behalf. And I'm so thankful for that. Tonight, we're resuming our study in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll pick up there in Matthew chapter 8, and uh, I'll begin reading there in verse 28. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was come to the other side of the, into the country of the Gargasenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Here we see two men who were possessed bodily with the evil one, who was and is even now going about seeking whom he may devour. And meeting the Lord Jesus... As soon as they saw him, they were so afraid and cried out. And though they made everyone else afraid, yet when they saw Christ, their power left them. And they cried out, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? We know that thou art God. We do do not want thee. We have no power over thee, but thou hast power over us. And we know that we're to be brought in judgment, indeed to the judgment And therefore we would that you not to torment us until that appointed time to come. Verse 30. And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. Now notice how that these evil spirits were sensible to the fact that Christ was come to dispossess them and that the time was now come when they must leave the bodies of these two men. For when Christ comes and wills, all must bow before him who is the mighty God. You see, they could not stand against the power of Christ. And here we may observe that though the devil is an enemy, yet he is a chained one. You see, he can't even hurt these poor swine until he has power and authority given him from above. And further, we see the malice, the hatred and hostility of the devil that he would kill these poor creatures rather than do them no harm. You see, beloved, the devil would, if it was in his power to do so, destroy each of your souls. But Christ, by his mighty power, prevents him from harming his purchased people. I love that verse in First Peter chapter 1, verse 5, don't you? It says there, speaking of God's elect, how that we're kept, beloved, by the power of God, through faith, the, the faithfulness of God's well-pleasing Son, that ready salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Verse 32, 
And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Notice how that no sooner had Christ given the devils permission to enter the swine, they did it immediately. And their malice was so great that the swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were drowned beneath the waters. What wicked spite that the devil should cause these poor swine to perish. And the inhabitants of the city was so grieved for the loss of such little wealth that they came and besought Christ to depart. You say they did not want his company, but rather preferred the company of a few swine rather than the company of Christ. A few worldly goods, a little pleasure, anything else rather than Christ. But for one who is sensible of the love of Christ will part with all rather than part with him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Look at verse 24. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Beloved, do we not frequently experience great tempests in this fallen, wicked world? Does not a sea of temptation beat over your souls? And you are afraid lest you should be overcome by them. And you can see no way to escape. For your souls are covered with wave upon wave, and you expect to be swallowed up in the tempest. And you are afraid lest you should fall into the hands of the evil one. Beloved of God, fear not. For though the Lord Jesus may appear to be asleep to your experience, yet he will keep you and he will preserve you from the wrath of the wicked men of this fallen world, from the the scoffing of the Pharisees of this fallen world. And though they may rage and spit forth all their venom against you, nevertheless, beloved, Christ Jesus our Lord will deliver, preserve, and protect you if you but seek unto him with a sense of your own helplessness and unworthiness. You will soon find, precious sinner, how that he is a God ever ready to pardon and forgive. My ardent prayer is that all that would hear me tonight be persuaded to bow their knee and and their heart. But sadly, how many professing Christians go to God day by day and call Him Father, which is a call that's nothing more than a mocking of God. Just like the, the Pharisee. Remember that pretentious prayer the Pharisee prayed up to God? I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. And all the why he called his God his father, the Lord said uh, the devil was his father. In reality, for the Pharisee, the devil is their father. None, my friend, have a right to call him father, but those who have received the spirit of adoption, whereby they have a right to call him Abba Father. And indeed, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And could the brute beasts of the field speak? They might call God Father as well as some of you, for he is their creator to whom they owe their being. But my friend, 
This will not entitle you to call God your father. You may call him father in a physical sense, but not father in a spiritual sense, for you must be born again of God to do that. You see, irrespective of how a professing Christian may flatter themselves or himself or herself, you, my friend, must have an inward principle wrought in your hearts by faith, by the operation of God. This you must experience. This you must both feel and know before you are Christians in truth. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ takes notice of each of you. You may think the Lord does not take notice of us because we are in a field or outside these church walls. But my friend, he does observe with what view you came into this building tonight to hear his word. You see, he knows whether it is merely to satisfy your curiosity or to find out in what way you might ridicule the preacher. The thoughts and intentions of all your hearts are not hidden from Jesus Christ. Though he may seem to be asleep to you, because you are, at present, insensible of his workings upon your heart, and he may not seem to take notice of you and regard you no more than he did the woman of Canaan, yet he will turn to you, beloved, and behold you with love, for the Lord will be mindful of you in due time and speak peace to your troubled soul. Though a sea of troubles is beating over you, though the Pharisees of our day are scoffing at you, yet when Christ rebukes, then they shall cease. My friend, do not look to yourself. Allison, don't look to yourself. Rather say unto him, Save us, Lord, or else we perish. Beseech him to be your guide and your salvation. Sinner, I beg you, I beg every one of you, by the tender mercies of God, which are in Christ Jesus alone, that you present yourself to him as your reasonable service. Awake, you that sleep, and arise from the dead, from the death of sin, and Christ then will give you the light of his righteousness. Come to Christ, and you shall be welcome. O come unto this blessed Jesus according to the Scriptures. Come with all your vileness. For if you come not, you will most certainly perish. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. For if Christ does not save you, your own good intentions most assuredly cannot. For should you be left in your blood, so then you must perish in your blood. But if you come to Christ, you will find mercy, my friend, and you will find yourself amongst those who shall never perish. You see, sinner, you cannot find salvation in any other but in Christ. For if the disciples could have saved themselves, now hear me, if the disciples could have saved themselves, they would not have awoken Jesus Christ. But they were sensible that no one could save them but him and him alone. And so they cried out unto him. And so you who are under the sense of sin, who are in fear of hell, and are made to know your danger, if you seek refuge in your own works, you only seek your own death. For you see, there's no fitness in yourself. I speak the truth in Christ Jesus. I lie not. There is no fitness in you, but a fitness for eternal damnation. For what we are by nature, what are we? Every one of us by nature are the children of wrath. And our hearts by nature are Satan's garrison and arsenal. Do you say because you go to church or sit in the pew, or pray with the brethren, or are observing the ordinances, 
and have done no harm to anyone, that this is why you speak peace to your soul and that all is well with you? What vanity to think it is well with you because of what you did or didn't do. Be not deceived, for this is all false peace. And if you have no other peace than this, you must shortly be brought down into everlasting flames. For you see, this is an ungrounded, self-created peace. And if you trust your souls to this false peace, you will perish. And so, my friend, do as the disciples did when they were in distress. They go to Christ and say to him, Lord, save us, else we perish. My friend, today is the day of salvation. The door of mercy is open to sinners, for there does yet remain a sacrifice for sin for all that will receive the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, for all those sinners who will receive him and him alone. And he's the only one who knows the innermost thoughts of your heart. And so, beloved sinner, he will embrace you in the arms of his everlasting love. And as he sees the first rising of grace in you, he would and does willingly encourage it. For being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, will perfect it, will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. My sinner friend, the angels long for your being in the love and favor of God, and they will rejoice to see you turn from sin unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And all the ministers of the blessed Lord Jesus would be exceeding glad, <laughs> exceeding glad, to be instruments to turn you from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God's dear Son. Verse 26. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And so, my sinner friend, I may say the same to you. Why are you fearful to leave your sins and turn to God? And so turn to him. Turn to him in a sense of your own unworthiness. Tell him how polluted and vile you are, and be not faithless but believing. Why fear ye? What do you fear? Is it because you think that the Lord Jesus Christ will not accept you, sinner? Your sins will be no hindrance. Your unworthiness will be no hindrance. Nothing will hinder Christ from receiving a true sinner. And taught of God, you know you have not even good works to hinder you from coming. For he loves to see bankrupt sinners coming to him, and he is pleased to see them lie at his feet, pleading the words of his promises. And so should you see yourself coming to Christ in that way, as a mercy beggar, as a bankrupt sinner, he will not send you away without his spirit. Rather, he will receive you and bless you. Oh, my friend, do not neglect such a great salvation. Do not neglect such a great Savior or put at naught his infinite, everlasting love for sinners. What more would you have Christ to do? Is it not enough for him to come on purpose to save sinners? Do you forget his own word? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So then will you not serve God in your soul as well as with your body? If that is not your desire... You are only deceiving yourself and mocking God. You see, my friend, he must have your heart. O ye of little faith, why are ye fearful? Are you fearful that he will not accept you? 
If you will not believe the preacher, then believe the Lord Jesus Christ. He has told you that he will receive sinners. Then why not go to him directly? Does he desire the impossible? His own word declares, my child, my son, my daughter, give me thine heart. Now, does he want your heart like the devil does to make you miserable? Oh, no, beloved. He only wills you to believe on him that you might be saved and that you might be exceeding glad. (laughs) This is all the dear Savior desires for his people to make you happy that you may leave your sins and sit down eternally with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, verse 26. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so you see, it was only Christ's power to stop the raging of the sea. He rebuked it. The disciples might have spoken forever and would never have ceased. And so it is with the word preached. You see, I may preach to you while I live. I may speak till I can speak no more. But the doctrine of Christ will never do you any good unless he impresses the truth upon your heart himself. And so, beloved, in all thy troubles, look up to Christ who is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, that he may rebuke those storms of unbelief. And if he speaks the word, then they shall cease. If the Pharisees of this generation scoff and jeer at you, If they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, do not answer them. Leave it unto Christ to rebuke them. For all you can say will be of no effect, no more effect than the disciples speaking to the sea. But when Christ speaks the word, they shall cease. So let not their murmurings discourage you, beloved. For if you will live godly in Christ Jesus, you must suffer persecution. It is true that those who are sincerely good by that goodness rod of God, they are set up for targets for everyone to shoot at. For you see, there is a continual enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the the serpent. If you are of the world, our Lord tells us, if you are of of the world, the world would love its own. But beloved, because Christ hath chosen you out of the world, therefore it hateth you. Do not think of following Christ into glory unless you go through the press here below. Look forward, my beloved brother, my beloved sister, into eternity and behold Christ coming and his reward with him to give a kind of recompense for all the temptations and difficulties of this present life. The apostle writes, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 27. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The men of the ship were amazed to see the miracle that Christ wrought only by his word. They thought he was something more than a man. And, beloved, have we not as much reason to marvel with amazement that when we are overwhelmed with troubles from within and without, that Jesus Christ, only by the word of his power, should speak peace, and then there is perfect peace, as only he can give. For when God first awakens us with a sense of sin and sets his terrors in display against us, then there are troubles and tempests, for Satan having got possession, 
Before he will give place, he will fight and strive hard to keep the soul from closing with Jesus alone. But when Christ Jesus comes, he storms the heart. He breaks the peace. He giveth it the most terrible alarms of judgment in hell. And he sets all in a combustion of fear and sorrow till he hath forced his purchased prize to yield to him in mercy and take Christ Jesus for its governor. Then Satan is cast out. Then the storm is rebuked and he establishes a firm and lasting peace in the soul. Can the sea be still while the, while the wind is raging? Can the sea be still while the wind is raging? It's impossible. So it is that there can be no peace in the soul while it is at enmity with Christ. Now, it may flatter itself and speak peace, but there can be no true peace. For thou, O Pharisee, may harden and fortify thy heart against fear, grief, and trouble. Yet, as sure as God is true, they will batter down thy, thy proud and fortified spirit and seize upon it and drive thee to amazement. And this will be done here in this time state or hereafter in eternity. Here and now in mercy or hereafter in wrath and judgment. Oh, my sinner friend, consider what Christ hath done and you will be astonished that he has done so much for such wicked wretches as you and I. If you are easy under the storm and tempest of sin, if you are at ease under that, and do not cry to Christ for salvation, thou art in a dangerous condition. And it is a wonder to consider how a man that is not sure of having made his peace with God can eat or drink or live in peace, that thou art not afraid when thou liest down that thou shouldest awake in hell. But in, if Christ speak peace unto thy soul, Alice said, if Christ speak peace unto thy soul, who can then speak trouble? Who then can speak of trouble? None. <laughs> Nothing and no one. Not, not men or devils. Therefore, lie down at the feet of Christ, whom you have, whom you have resisted and say, Lord, would thou have me to do? What would thou have me to do? Lie down at the feet of the very one who made you. The one for all your life, you held a fist to heaven saying, no God, all of us did this by birth. We came out of our mother's womb speaking lies with a fist to heaven saying, No, God. And the Apostle Paul, he's a pattern for every believer. <laughs> every believer with Paul says, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm in the dust before you. Before you. Your, your, your love has conquered me. <laughs> Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? And you'll find... He will rebuke the winds and seas of thy troubled mind, and all things will be calm. All things will be calm. Verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass that, by that way. The Lord Jesus Christ, who went about doing good continually, 
very well knew that he should meet these two poor men in this country of the Gergesenes who were possessed with devils. In fact, Jesus Christ went on purpose that way that he might relieve them. Now, beloved, though the devil is an enemy, yet he is a chained one. And so he could not destroy these two poor men. He could not hurt the people that passed that way. Rather, all that those devils could do is terrify them. And thus it is with you, beloved. The devil tries with his utmost skill and power to frighten you from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses the utmost of his endeavors to keep poor, sick, and weary sinners from coming to Jesus alone. If he can but make you lose your souls, it is the end he aims at. And how many souls does he keep from Christ for fear of reproach? Many thousands would willingly see Christ in his glory in the world to come and would be happy with him there. But they are afraid of being laughed at and of hearing the Pharisees say, here is another of his followers. They are afraid of losing their worldly business or being counted crazy and fit for the madhouse. And still many others are kept from Jesus Christ for fear of a little hurt or inconvenience. What will such say? What will such say when the Lord Jesus Christ shall appear in his glory? Would you be glad to be confessed by him then? You must not be ashamed of confessing him now before men. And so, beloved, let not the fierceness of the devil keep you back from Christ for fear of being counted fools. For the time will come when it will be found who are truly wise and who are truly mad. Are you afraid to stand up for the cause of Christ in this world? Do you dare speak his words? Are you afraid of being members of Jesus Christ? I tell you, such persons would crucify him afresh. But sinner, you love him, and you love his words, and so let not the temptation of the devil, let not the temptations of the devil keep you from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He may be fierce, he may hurry you from place to place, but strive with him so that he may not drive you from Christ. And if you seek him who commands, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ himself will so help you that you shall find rest for your souls, and you shall resist the devil, and then that wicked one will fly from you. Christ will dispossess him. And so be not afraid, therefore, to meet Jesus Christ. Tell him all that your soul wants, and he will give it to you, and you shall not be any longer troubled with the fierce wrath of the devil. Verse 29. And they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? As soon as the devils observed the Lord Jesus coming near, they were afraid, lest he was come to punish them before that day of reckoning, when all must be brought to judgment. The, de the devils themselves are enough to convince all those polite and friendly false Jehovah's Witnesses, for the de devils themselves own that Jesus Christ to be God blessed forever. And they feel and know his power and are assured of his being the God who must condemn them at the great day of judgment. And they were afraid lest the Lord Jesus Christ was come to punish them at this time. But though the devils believe the divinity of Christ, yet the world swarms with many isms who only take him as a prophet or a great teacher, or merely a man. But, beloved, I trust he is to you 
Emmanuel, God with us, co-eternal and one with the Father. That as there was not a moment of time in which God the Father was not, so there is not a moment of time in which God the Son was not. For he himself declares all things were made by him. And if they were made by him, he must be God. And whoever reads the word of God will find divine worship is paid to him. And that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And that he is the Alpha and Omega. These verses and a great many more might be brought forth to prove the divinity of, of, the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, he could never have made satisfaction for our sins if he had not been God as well as man. As man, he suffered. As God, he satisfied. And so he was God and man in one person. You see, he took our nature upon himself and was offered upon the cross for the sins of all those sinners who shall come unto him, which may be proved even to, to, to demonstrate that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and that he is equal with the Father. The Pharisees protested, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, he can forgive, beloved, <laughs> because he is God manifest in the flesh. I trust there are none among us tonight that have such low and dishonorable thoughts of our blessed Lord, or that there be any among us tonight that despise the, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ who, who bought them. For I hope better things of you, brethren, things that accompany salvation. Do you think that anyone who denies the deity of Christ can ever be saved by him? Living and dying in such a state of unbelief? Most assuredly, the time will come when they who have denied his deity shall feel the power of it hereafter. They shall feel that he is God as well as man. Then he will be owned as God by all those who now fearlessly deny his truth. Woe unto the polite infidels of this wicked generation, for the devils themselves speak in judgment against them. If there are any here tonight, consider what you are doing before it is too late. Return ye unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will have mercy upon you, and the Lord will abundantly pardon. The Lord Jesus Christ, he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And the Lord Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. And in the beginning, God. And so, my friend, let me beg you to not neglect such a great Savior, lest you fall into hell and there be none to deliver you. Verse 31. And the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of the swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Here we see how that no sooner had the devil been given this permissive power that he immediately executes it. And so if the devil has but power to tempt or to hurry a soul, look at how grievous a tyrant he is, hurrying from one temptation to another, hurrying you all into hell with as much violence as he did the poor swine into the sea. But Christ Jesus, our Lord, 
by His grace, prevents it. For Jesus Christ died for the souls of His people, and therefore the devil cannot do with them as he will. He may have the will, but he cannot get the power. It is plain that when the devil himself or persecuting men get the power, they will harass the poor Christians. Everything is too good for them, and they are not worthy to be set with dogs and their doghouse. Beloved, how joyful would many be in the United States of America. How joyful they would be if the laws of our land would permit them to destroy us. How would the Pharisees hurry us to prison and to death and burn those buildings down where the gospel is heard? But blessed be God, he does not say to them as to the devil, go. Not at all. Rather, he binds them, stay. He hedges their way up with thorns that they cannot stir to hurt us. And while they would be pleased to do so, they dare not destroy us. And nothing withholds them but the power of our sovereign Lord and God. As we referenced earlier, First Peter chapter 1, verse 5, Beloved, we're kept <laughs> by the power of God, through the faithfulness of God's well-pleasing Son, His, His never-failing Son. Let's read that verse as we draw to a close. It says there in First Peter chapter 1, and we know it's writing to God's elect. Verse 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Beloved elect of God. Verse 5, You who are kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, through the faithfulness, the uprightness of God's well-pleasing Son, unto salvation, ready be ready to be revealed in the last time. <laughs> How come ready? Because, beloved, he said on the cross, it is finished. How come ready? Because in glory it says, it is done. <laughs> How wonderful is that, to read that word, ready, and know exactly what that's speaking about. Nothing more and nothing less than what our brother Jonah said in the belly of the fish. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord keeps us, beloved. And so, beloved, in light of that, be not afraid of their wrath, though it is cruel, and of their anger, though it be fierce. Let them shoot their arrows, even their bitter words against us. Let them fly, for the shield of faith will preserve us against them all. And when you are thus preserved, it will be the occasion of joy in the Holy Spirit. Though many look upon the joy of the Holy Spirit as enthusiasm and mad emotionalism and say that there is no such thing, but, beloved, well do I know there is, for it carries its own evidence along with it. Our Lord declares, Blessed, <laughs> happy are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. What gladness. What is it we read in Acts chapter 13, verse 48? And when the Gentiles heard this, Christ and him cruci crucified, 
they were exceeding glad. <laughs> they were exceeding glad. Salvation's done. <laughs> Salvation's finished. Washed thoroughly and completely of all our sins with his precious blood and made the very righteousness of God in Christ. And it says, as as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. What, what joy unspeakable it is, beloved, to trace the very reason why you believe tonight at this very moment to his sovereign grace, to his sovereign purpose and sending his son into the world to save a sinner like you and a sinner like me. <laughs> what good news. What good news. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Plead, therefore, with God. Plead, therefore, with God. Let me speak to every one of you. Clarissa, Tyler, Levi. Do I see Halston back there? Allison, Sandra, Gail. Beg God. <laughs> that you might know this blessedness truly. We don't want to presume about this. This is too important. In the name of Jesus Christ, sinner, continue to wrestle with him until he bestows the blessing upon you and gives you a feeling of that exceeding gladness which this world of religious pretenders are strangers to. Now the devil may stir up his agents to hurry us from one trouble to another, but it is of no significance, beloved, for the Lord Jesus Christ will not suffer the accuser to hurry us into hell, but rather he will give us his spirit, and his abiding spirit will preserve us against all the assaults of the devil. Of the devil. Every single assault of the devil he keeps us from, beloved. Now notice what, what followed this miracle, which Jesus had wrought, what our Lord had wrought by permitting the devil to enter into the herd of the swine. Uh, verse 33 says there in verse 33, And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. The people were so amazed to see the power that Christ had and the malice with which the devil was possessed that they were afraid and told all that had befallen the possessed of the devils. And so when the Spirit of God has been at work on your souls, and you are brought to feel the power of God upon your hearts, you will be so overjoyed that you will tell everyone what great things God has done for your souls. You will be so full of joy and gladness that you will declare the whole working of God on your hearts, and you will declare how that you have been enabled to overcome Satan, and how you were affected from such a preached portion of his word, his own precious word, in such a place and at such a time. And he continues to affect us <laughs> with his word, does he not? He causes us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will then love to talk about Jesus. And no conversation will be so pleasing as of that of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he will be altogether lovely unto you when you have once tasted of his love and felt the power of his grace upon your hearts. Verse 34. And behold, the whole city came out to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. The whole city came to meet the Lord Jesus. Now, not to worship him, nor to thank him for the releasing of these two poor men that were possessed, but rather to beseech him to go from them. You see, they valued their swine more than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and would rather have him part from them than, than, than any more swine. And have we not among us hundreds of thousands? In this region of the world, we have amongst us hundreds of thousands who call themselves Christians, who would rather part with Christ than their pleasures. Sadly, for many, it seems a celebration, a sporting event, or a get-together with his enemies is far more agreeable to them than the company and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they can but indulge their sensual appetite, please and pamper their bellies, satisfy the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, they regard nothing more but fleshly things and rest contented as if they were to live here always in this time state. Oh, my dear brethren, I hope none of you can rest contented with such temporal things as these and nothing more. Rather, I trust that you like the company of the Lord Jesus too well, that you love his presence all too well to part with him for a few delights of this time state. And there are there not many who part with Christ for their own good works, and they think they can go to heaven if they but go to church sit in the pew, say a few prayers, and observe the ordinances? Sadly, sadly, many will be deceived on that day. It doesn't say few. It never says many on that day will be deceived. For if they rest in anything short of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they do not have him and him alone, who is the chief cornerstone, they will fall infinitely short of what they flatter them, themselves to attain unto, and that of being found accepted in his sight. I will speak a few words to you before we conclude this evening by way of application. Let me beg you to come to Jesus Christ. I invite you all to come to him and receive him as your own personal Lord and Savior. He is ready to receive you, sinner. I am only speaking to sinners. If you're not a sinner here tonight, I'm not addressing you. I have no authority to speak to anyone other than sinners. He is ready and able to receive you, sinner. If you are afraid to go because you are in a lost condition, if you are afraid to go to him because you are in a lost state, know this. He came to save what was lost, to save such as who are weary and heavy laden, to save such as feel the weight and burden of their sins. You see, sinner, he has promised he will give rest to such as feel the weight and burden of their sins on their souls a burden too heavy for them to bear and are wary of it and know not how to obtain deliverance from it. And so in the name of my Master and my Lord, I beg you to come to him tonight that you might find rest for your souls. If you will but come unto him, a sinner, he will not reject you as justly as he might on the grounds of your filthy rags, but because of his righteousness being made ours, beloved, he will not bring reproach upon you for not coming to him sooner. Oh, no, my dear friend, he will rejoice and be glad and will say unto you, Son, daughter, be of good cheer. <laughs> be of good cheer. <laughs> How come? Your sins are forgiven you. These words he said to other sinners, and if you will but come unto him by faith in his blood, he is ready and able to say the same thing unto you as he did to them. For he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Though he suffered on the cross some 2,000 years ago, yet he is the same in goodness and power as he ever was. 
and he calls you by his ministers. Oh, come unto him. Beg of him to break your stubborn heart that you may be willing to be brought to him in his own way, to be made poor in spirit and entitled to an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Sinner, come and drink of the water of life. You may buy without money and without price. He shall bring you back from sin and from Satan unto himself. And should he be pleased to open the door of your heart, my friend, the king of glory shall enter in. And that without your permission. <laughs> Though he does make us willing in the day of his power, does he not? <laughs> but if you are strangers to this doctrine and account it foolishness, or if you think you have enough of your own goodness to recommend yourself to, into God's favor, whatever that goodness is, you going to church or you accepting sound doctrine, well, if that's where your hope is, my friend, you have no true love to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are strangers to the truth of grace in your hearts and unacquainted with the new birth. You do not know what it is to have your nature changed. Until you do experience these things and are made to know them, you can never enter into the kingdom of God. My heart is quite full, and I must speak or I shall burst. Do you think your soul of no value? Do you esteem it as not worth saving? Are your pleasures worth more than your soul? Would you rather occupy yourself with the many diversions of this life than the salvation of your soul? If so, you will never be partakers with him in glory. But if you come unto him, he will give you a new nature, supply you with his grace here, and bring you to glory hereafter. And there you may sing praises and hallelujahs to the Lamb that was slain. May this be the happy expected end of all who hear me tonight. May the Lord guide you by his wise counsel until he comes to fetch you into heaven and make you partakers of his glory. May he direct you in his ways and lead you in those paths which lead to everlasting life. May you be found in true holiness. <laughs> I love that portion of scripture. <laughs> may you be found in true holiness here and happiness hereafter, beloved. And may our lives match the profession we make, that we may all be found at the right hand of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes to judge the world according to our works, whether they be good or evil, whether they be wrought by our sinful flesh or by him that loved us and washed us of our sins in his own blood. Oh, that all of us gathered here this evening be presented faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen.